0: Have you ever wondered why veterans struggle so much getting back into civilian right? Whether or not you are a veteran, Fight by Betsy Ross is a short book series that has an emotional intense story arc to help spread awareness of those struggles veterans face coming out of the Force. Check out the series and more of the fight mission at worldwideweb.fightwithbetsyross.com. Her latest release, Fight 4, is available now. Coming to YouTube... Is the show Healing Hands? Healing Hands is hosted and presented by Chaniel Bostic. In this series, Chaniel will be teaching us about massage therapy and techniques, and demonstrate those skills she has acquired to the audience. Click on the YouTube link in the description below to be the first to find episodes of Healing Hands. Healing Hands launches September twelfth. We're going to be potentially live to people. I didn't really, I didn't really prep, prep the. Uh, like I said, cause I, I. So this is my, this is my fault. I thought we were tomorrow. So oh. it's all good. So when you hit me, it's like, no problem. But like, I was ready for it. Cause I was doing some stuff anyway, later on tonight. I I can do it tomorrow. No, it's all good. We, we're here. We're my, we're already here. We might as well just right. go, right. you know, <laughs> we're here. So it's all good. It's all good. You and and you, you then put it up and other people can access it later, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much how this works. I do it. I do it all different formats. So good. yeah. So, we are officially live, ladies. You know, this is episode 998. I have finally gotten, honestly, a le- kind of a legend. And, like, did you know? I know it sounds a like, I know it, it's got to be surreal in some senses because you've accomplished an incredible amount in not only this industry, but in other things you've done, right? It's weird kind of looking back and seeing yourself and going, holy shit, I did this. Yeah. That-
1: oh, indeed. Indeed. Yes, it's true.
0: Yeah, congrats on your, um, uh, you got some, like, it just shortly happened after our, When Words Collide, you got film rights for one of your books, right? Uh, the the latest book, yeah, Someday I'll Find You. Yes, it's, yeah. um,
1: I, I mean, you might have seen my slightly sort of, well, okay, uh, post because I have been optioned many times and nothing has been made. And so I always say many are optioned and few are made. However, I do allow myself a moment of, Woohoo! You know, because you never know. And this particular person has been a player in Hollywood, is still presumably a player in Hollywood. She won an Oscar once for editing, so she knows some people. So we'll see. I don't I don't actually reckon I'm going to ever accept that a movie or a TV series has been made from one of my works until I'm sitting with a paying audience, seeing my name on the credits.
0: That's actually fair. it? it... Hollywood is a strange business. I, I actually had this conversation, I was in San Diego with uh, Sylvain Nouvelle. And he's got like this stuff options and it's a strange business. Sometimes they pay you not to make the movie. Wow. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it goes, right? It, it's, it's a weird, it's a bit weird. I mean, you're getting paid for it, which is, which is nice, at least right? I mean, mm-hmm. Not much these days, to be
1: honest. Yeah. Most, most things are done on, on very skimpy and they take it for no conditions. And it's called a shopping option. No condition, very no money changes hands. And they have the right to shop it and see if they can get something in a very short amount of time. And if they do get some major interest, then they have to come back and negotiate the whole contract. Up to now, it's just a letter, a shop. Oh,
0: geez. Okay, yeah. so it's, kind of, it's kind of, it's gotten stranger since even since even I last heard about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know,
1: I've, I've, I've been optioned in the past and, and made a bit of money from it for sure. But uh, these days, it's it depends. I think if I was a Pulitzer Prize winner, that might be different. But I'm not. Yeah,
0: yeah I actually feel pretty good today. Because remember the AI con- uh, thing at one words collide? Yes. One of my things came true today. Which is? The legalization of, uh, uh, I told you that there would be some legal coming down.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, right. And one of the things I said was that one of the arguments was that AI would be considered public domain. It is right now as it stands, public domain. Oh, and how is that going to help me as an author? Because that, that means anyone, anyone that generates AI art can now be pirated without any compromise or penalty. So that means what that means is anyone that wants to generate uses, makes anything generated with AI really can't make money with it.
1: Oh, oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, that happened today, the court oh. ruling happened. So oh. now, th- don't get me wrong, there's going to be still some more recalibrations before it's all said and done. Sure. But yeah, I mean, that was pretty much one angle. It's like I, like I said, that back then the, from a legal standpoint, right, there's some hurdles that has to be cleared. with AI, and oh. this is the first and this and this is the first one. Oh, so.
1: interesting. Okay, well, good. I'll take that as a win for the team.
0: Yeah, it, no, it is. It, it also affects the Hollywood writers' strike big time too because it gives the writers and actors a lot more leverage now.
1: Oh, good.
0: good. Yeah, because because now the Secret Invasion opening credits at Marvel is now piratable. That's, oh. that's, that's, that's hilarious, isn't it? Oh, that is actually, yes. It, They're going to have to rethink, aren't they? that's the whole thing right like like we like it's an ip business like just, just like the business we're in is ip and mm-hmm. if you can't monetize it no one no one would be here right it, that's just that's just the way it is and yeah so like, like again and so the idea of using ai as a shortcut is now gone so at least at least for now like again it's going to change the game obviously mm-hmm. like like we like we've talked about it in, uh, yeah. privately but sure. i again it, it's not going to drive everybody into the assembly line. Okay. <laughs> good to hear. This yeah. Is, good, to good to hear. hear. Yeah. How, how are you today, man? How's things?
1: Hey, things are exceptionally good. I've, um, I, I, you, you've caught me at a very fine moment, um, though poised on a, on a, uh, the, the finest moment, which is I'm just about to write the end on the first draft of my latest novel, and I will literally, as soon as you and I come off this, I will write the last two pages of it. I left it. Uh, at, a, at, at the point where I'd, I'd sort of, because I'm not a very good typist, I was typing it in there thought, and I thought, I had to get somewhere. So I just stopped and I picked up my uh, my Waterman fountain pen and I picked up my notebook and I wrote the last, effectively the last page of the book longhand in my execrable uh, handwriting. And so you and I finished this and I'm going to go back in and put it in and that's going to be the first draft
0: done. So I like actually writing novels in longhand. I actually find it's a fantastic way of doing them. Uh, I wrote one long novel
1: longhand because I thought it was such a di- it was such a difficult novel to write. I knew it was going to be. It was my novel Vlad: The Last Confession, uh, and I wrote it longhand. But then, as I say, my writing is execrable. So when I went to put it into the computer, I'm going, "What is that word?" Uh, <laughs> and so, so I, uh, I, uh, I have since stopped doing that. But, but I do. I mean, I have these notebooks, you know, always methodistic. Yeah. And I have these notebooks, these are Claire Fontaine from France. And I I every book I write usually has one at least of these filled with handwriting because I dive what I call off piece. You know, I come off the screen and write stuff and make notes and draw little maps sometimes. And
0: you know. So you world so you use the notepad to world build then. Uh
1: uh, yes, I suppose I do. Um yeah, I mean, I, I world building is such an interesting word. I mean, because historical fiction, I do it; fantasy, I do it. Uh, you know, both of which I write. But um, uh, yeah, it's not so much It's more to get the details of stuff. I mean, yeah, some world building. Like, I had to, I had to launch an attack on a uh, a fortified. This is 1778. Okay. And, yeah, and I had to launch an attack on this fortified sort of manor house. And I thought, how am I going to do that? So I, uh, I, I, I did that. The map there. There's the house. That's awesome. Pornfield, there's that I'm a terrible drawer, as you can see. But
0: actually, you're not that terrible. you you got really? clean lines. You actually have clean lines. You'd actually, oh, you know. I yeah. It's all right. But anyway,
1: and, and that was narrowing it down yeah. to a particular spot in New Jersey that was accessible from my characters. So that, that's world building, I suppose, yeah.
0: Well, it's a little bit like, like here. I think the thing is something that I, I've understood, like, it took me a long time to figure this out with novels in particular you have to have more story than what's on the page. You Mm -hmm. you need to, because you need to understand the place you're in. And then the really hard part is, okay, what's the story I'm actually telling here. And sometimes, and sometimes we get, we, we we don't always know the forest from the trees and that on that one, I, I I feel, I feel the club, the better the emotional connection you have to the staff, to the story, the more part important that part of the story is. Oh, but that's absolutely. that's my that that's my working theory right now. Yeah, yeah. no,
1: it's, I think it's absolutely true. I mean, you can emotionally connect to things. You're gonna you're gonna write in in a better way. I mean, some sometimes of course it's you know it depends on the on the on the context of the scene. But but usually there's some emotion involved. Sometimes like I do, you know, I I as they as they say in the trade, I give good battle. And sometimes you know I can just like I wrote a that I that wrote that attack the other day uh now my normal daily output is a you know on a first draft it varies between two two and a half thousand um words uh the the battle day i wrote 3777 words because i was like you know oh you shouldn't do this that's excellent yeah but blokes attacking him with a pistol and that sort of stuff so yeah -hmm. so it was it was fun but i'm very excited to finish this book so
0: yeah. Well first off, I guess congratulations. Um what, what what number of book is this for you? This is the one you're working on right now. Twenty-three. Oh geez. Did does it get easier? Or is it is it always crazy? Uh
1: no, I think it does get easier. Uh what doesn't get easier is starting. Um I always there's always and this one I had a bit of a delay between, you know, my my, new novel someday I'll find you which is out and and doing very well thank you very much still still riding high in in Canada at least um but uh I took a bit of time off between that one and this one normally I'm a book a year guy and I actually took sort of almost eight months while I saw what was happening with the new book and then I just thought no I just have to start writing again and and I dived into into this one so um it's it's been great fun so starting sometimes is oh yeah I've you know you you want to go swimming it's a bit nippy in the air but you know you want to get in the water it's going to be a bit cold when you dive in but uh, once you dive in you start swimming you think oh of course this is what i love to do
0: that was actually so i was in san diego a couple weeks before my words collide that was the weird thing about the pacific ocean i did not expect it to be as cold as it was right the first time you
1: should should try it up where i am on salt island the pacific ocean here is a lot colder than san diego
0: yeah no i i no absolutely we're we're, we're in canada it's always it's it, it, it's it's always a little cooler up here but even there it's like it's like why are you wearing a wetsuit and i go in there oh i understand now uh-huh. why you wear a wetsuit yeah. okay i get it i get it i get it, I get it. so yeah. but no it, it, it it's but again i think the when we start the story it's the other thing is i know for me the hard part with starting one is am i coming at it from the right place yeah. right that's the hard. i think that's the hard part for me because the first draft i'll be like I, like it's usually the beginning is the I'll, I'll they tell you not to rewrite i'll like secret sometimes the first two or three chapters i will rewrite those the hardest because it's oh. like it's like am i coming at it at the right place yeah and sometimes i'm not like, i can just feel it sometimes when you get started it's like no this isn't right got, yeah. i got I don't have the right path to what I want to do here and I do it again and then I'll do it again. Now, once I'm really into it, I don't revise until it's done. Yeah.
1: That's my, my system as well. Really. I've only ever once gone back and and completely rewritten an opening and that was, um, on, on an editor's advice for my novel fire.
0: Yeah.
1: Like fire duology. And, um, she i had it starting i thought quite cleverly with a minor character and she said major characters the sequel straight away first scene first page i went these ah, she's right damn it
0: yeah isn't it suck when they write when they're absolutely say uh, like, hey i'm gonna argue with you and then they, this is like no i
1: yeah they're inevitably right i i almost well most of the time so i just mostly uh, there's there's just you know an occasion when you go ah, uh, no and then they're fine because they're like, well, your book, man, you know? So
0: Well, well, no, they, they're, again, it's, it's their job. Their job is to do the best book possible, but they're coming at it from a less biased position than we are. Cause we, again, we genuinely care about it. They do too, but it's not, it's our child. Yeah. It's their, co- it's their cousin. Yeah.
1: It's right. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a good analogy. But I think the, you know, the key for me, was I learned early on, fortunately with working with editors very early on, because I've always had. Every single book of mine has had a great editor, you know, and um, um, you know, some are just magnificent, and some are just, you know, good. Um, but um, you know, when when I when I realised, as I say, very early on in my career, that uh, the editor is not about writing their book for you, they're about helping you clarify your vision, and mm-hmm. it's all about clarity. I, I don't understand this, Chris. You know, and you go, oh well, because that's this, and and they go, well, I didn't see that. And I go, oh yeah, you're right. Cause I didn't put it in chapter three. So that, when they help you do that, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the great thing about for mostly for me anyway, about an editor.
0: Yeah. No, uh, for me, it's the only time, the only time they, they will, and it's usually just a rework of their suggestion at that point. They're like, do this. And then I go, but if I do that, this happens, I'm not sure we can do it that way. And then they'll be like, Oh yeah, no, you're right. Okay. How about this? It's usually at that point, they're working with you. It's not, and that's, I I think that one of the big things is it doesn't really matter which publishing routes you go. I, I think the biggest thing about today is you still have to be willing to work with other people because they're, they're helping you. And I think the biggest lie a writer will tell, will tell themselves is we're doing this solitary. It's, it feels it at times, but honestly, it's not
1: no, I, I say in my in my author's note uh, when I'm acknowledging people, I say you know, contrary to popular belief, novel writing is a team game. You know, and yes, I mean you might be the you know the, the football analogy, the star striker of the of the team, but but uh, you know you wouldn't score the goals unless people were feeding you the the passes and the balls. So. Sorry. You've been watching a game of football as
0: well. So. <laughs> Soccer, football, or oh, American well, football. football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we got we to go both ways here because the NFL season is actually here again. So, oh,
1: is it? Yes, that's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So who, who's your team?
1: Oh, well, I wasn't watching my team, actually. My team is uh, is a bit sad to admit, but it's Leicester City. So we got relegated last season. So we're playing in the championship, the league below this season. Um, which I, I've sort of accepted because if you're a Leicester City fan, that is the story of your of your su- supporting life. My team is a yo-yo team, up and down, up and down, up and down. But then, of course, you know, seven years ago they won the Premiership, so and which is unheard of, of uh, five thousand to one against, you know. And uh, um, so they've given me my my moments in the sun, and everything else is just you know fine.
0: I feel that I'm a hockey guy. I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. Like ah. I still have the glory of their dynasty way back. It's like, yeah, yeah they have yeah. sucked for so long now. But at yeah. this point, I kind of like, okay, you guys have to get good again. But I had it for so long. It was like, I can't really be mad about where, they, where they're at right now. No, right?
1: I just, just gotta hope that they'll come good again. So
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right, let's ask the big Let's pass the secret origin story here. So how did Chris Humphreys decide to get into writing?
1: Um, Well, I kind of always written little bits and pieces. Um, You know, I I kept a very detailed journal about my uh, highly exciting to me anyway, and traumatic, sometimes to me as well, life. And so I'd I'd written, but I'd written in quite a sort of lyrical style. I mean, you know, from the age of 26 to the age of probably in my early 40s I kept a detailed journal um so I was writing in that I would have ideas and I would start them but then after a you know a few chapter or even a few pages the ideas would sort of be great in my head but not so great on the page because I didn't understand about process so I abandoned them I go, oh, obviously I'm not good enough because it's not like my hero so abandoned it and then um uh i you know working as an actor in the theater main I mean, a lot of theater some tv but a lot of theater i i thought you know i really want to write a historical fiction novel but that's like a mountain i will probably never climb but plays plays i get right because i've lived my life i've made my living doing plays and so i i came up with this idea well I, uh, something happened to me it was very dramatic love affair that happened to me. And I, I thought, I'll write that in the form of a play. And I did, and I entered it in a competition and it uh, it won the competition in Vancouver, uh, best new play. So, and then they put on a production, they gave me 500 bucks. So I thought, oh, bloody hell, I'm a paid writer now. And um, so then that was, uh, that happened. And then um, I, I then wrote another, I was commissioned to write a second play. For a theater in Calgary, and they commissioned it, workshopped it, loved it, put it on. So I was again earning a bit of money. But as I say, what I was always dreaming of was writing the stuff I'd lived in as a kid, really. And that was historical fiction, adventurous, the more adventurous, the better. Uh, Historical, you know, Vikings and, you know, Normans and, and Knights and all that stuff. So so I I had this idea for a novel. It hit me in the gym, actually, in Vancouver. I had this idea about it, the way I work out. I'm sort of thinking weird things. And I, I had this idea about the man who killed Anne Boleyn, who was Anne Boleyn was Henry VIII's second wife. And she was the first one of his six wives executed. Uh, and I realized that a French swordsman had been brought over to do the job because it was the kind death. Henry was such a nice guy. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then I realized that, um, I remember that she's, but the rumor was she had six fingers on one hand, right? Like the mark of the witch like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, thought "Mm, you know what if she it is the mark of the witch and she is kind of a witch and she asks the executioner when he takes her head to take her hand as well because they have to get rid of it because she will be persecuted after her death as she was in her life and this is the symbol of the witch so he agrees to take it and he's just you know this guy he's a professional but he agrees to take it and bury it but she warns him people will be after it and and uh the uh the Archbishop of Siena, who's this really debauched Italian uh, Borgia-like prelate. He nicks the hand and leaves my hero to die in gibbet cage and rides off cackling into the night. Anyway, that's where that began. And I I thought about it for years and I thought, I can't write it. It's a mountain, I'll never climb it. And then six years later, I've done all this research. If I ever write that book, it's gonna have this in it and this in it. And I read all these books. Finally, I thought I've got to do it. I sat down and I wrote it. Quite fast because there was already so much in my head, and then, and then you know, uh, an agent took me on straight away and had it sold in three months to Orion, who were one of the biggest publishers in the UK, with a two-book deal. So suddenly I had to write a second one, and that was it. From that was two thousand and one, I signed that deal, and I've been writing a book every year ever since, different publishers, but so yeah. So you know, it is one of those things that people said, oh, you know, it happened to you really fast, and I go, no, I've been preparing for years telling stories to to get to the point where i could actually be paid professionally to write and tell mine
0: so i have a buddy of mine and he lives in la his name is russell nolte he actually has a thing about success he goes it starts out really really slow and then it happens fast
1: right
0: it's almost like everything you did up to a certain point built up to when you were ready to do it does that does, does that feel like the right does that feel right
1: Totally. It's, you know, all the, uh, I remember I read an interview with Jack Nicholson once and uh, he said, he said, get ready, be prepared because your chance will come. And and when your chance comes, that's when you've got to be ready to seize it. So you you work, you write, you, you uh, discard things, you practice. It's a craft, right? Um, I mean, it's a business as well, obviously, but it's a craft. And so, you know, when the right that right thing happens and it usually happens for a reason that that the 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 sort of marrying of opportunity and form and the story happens you need to be ready to take it on and so when i first had the idea for the french executioner i wasn't ready to take it on um you know partly fear-based and that's interesting now, Joshua, because that's, that's what I teach, really. My main, I mean, I teach all sorts of workshops, as you know, but, um, and, you know, craft based specifics on character or dialogue or violence or whatever. But um, what I really teach is process and, and separating out the stages of the process. And so what kept me from writing for years was thinking it had to be good straight away. I don't even think of the words good or bad in my first draft. It's not, it's about what is this story?
0: so actually I I've started drawing I don't know if you've seen any of my drawings on 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 they're they're there on Instagram if you want to oh, check them out right okay. so yeah it's an evolution but that whole process thing of what you're saying the important thing is I had this fear for a very long time that what I was going to do was going to suck and then yeah. one day yeah. I had this epiphany ah. this was the epiphany so what if it sucks that's not that that actually even like I'm just going to say this beyond just the craft based things Art can just be for fun too. Right. And, and, and you have to, and honestly to learn to be good, I think you have to learn how to play.
1: Yeah. And you
0: have to fail. Yeah.
1: Uh, Samuel Beckett, the uh, the famous Irish playwright, you know, waiting for Godot and all that said he's, he's had that wonderful phrase in one of his novels, fail again, fail better.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so I, I think that's great. I mean, it's, um,
0: yeah. And, and, you know,
1: who says it sucks anyway? You know, everyone's got entitled their opinion, but, but it's, you know, it, by what criteria does it suck? I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in any
0: of that. Well, no, I, but okay. What I mean is there's a, like a process. Like it's when you first hit, like when you first start your craft, it's about doing the best you can, right? It's about doing the best you can. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. But okay, I, I. But for me, it was I'm gonna have fun. And I ended up drawing with some people that worked at some big studios, some big shows. It was great. It was an awesome learning experience. And then one day, I realized I have a style. It's like ah. when did like when did that happen? Like it, just, it was one of those like. But all of which to say, like in terms of there is good as in it's good as a word is always up for grabs. It's about oh. what you want to get out of it. And that's what I would, t- that's what I would tell people. It's yeah. about what you want to get out of it. If you want to get, if you just want to just draw or write for the sake of writing and drawing, then it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Now, if you want to sell it, like make a living doing it, then you, you have to work at figuring out how to clarify that vision over a period of time. And it doesn't matter what, your art form is right right and that's and that's when maybe good has a little more tangibility maybe a little bit more sure yeah i mean it has to be good
1: for the market you're trying to sell it to right yeah exactly then they start to judge and is it good for the market there you're trying to sell it to and you know and then you have to make it so you know absolutely um but 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 you know your your example there is 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 uh, the the truth of the matter is once you decide to do it, mm-hmm. that's when the all the stuff will happen to you that you couldn't have foreseen. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm quoting old white writers, but I'm going to quote Goethe here. The German okay, writer, yeah. said, um, "Whatever you can do or dream you can begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it." Begin it now, you know? And that's true, you can't, if you take, you, you're never gonna play the game unless you get on the field, right? You're, you've got to actually just start. And then he talks more in that um, in that same speech, which is wonderful. I advise anyone to, to look it up if they can. Um, the, the, the About how once you commit yourself to an artistic endeavor, all sorts of stuff will happen that you could not possibly have foreseen. But the key is the commitment.
0: Yeah. No, you have to go all in. Like, and you got to believe in yourself going all in too. I I, like when I started freelancing the first year, my biggest mistake was in the back of my head is what if I fucked this up? That's not the mindset you need. The right mindset, the right mindset is I can do this. I mean, and that is such a big difference. Huge difference, huge
1: difference. And, and I can, you know, uh, I can get better at it as well. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can get better at it as a on a craft level. I can understand the business more. I can read more and look what the world's putting out there. I can, uh, you know, absorb more of, of 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 where I am and what stage I'm at. And you know, I, th- I think it's 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 exciting. It's very exciting. Absolutely. Creativity game is exciting.
0: So I have so I want to talk about your performance. You are a naturally gifted performer. Even here when you're talking about your no, I like honestly. Okay. Uh, no, you you naturally have a uh, have a tendency to you're not afraid to put yourself out there. And honestly, I'm I'm saying this on, like honestly straight up. Yes. It's one of the things I admire about you the most.
1: Oh, ah, well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I I have um I, I mean, I, I, it's in the blood, of course. Yes. I've come from a long line of actors, all my grandparents, my dad, you know, two of them, three of them were writers as well. Um, it's, it's, um, I, I, I enjoy it for all sorts of reasons, but partly because it, I, for me, it's, it's the most present I can be. And I strive to be very present in the world. So, uh, and often fail, fail again, fail better at that. But I, uh, so, when I'm performing, or when I'm talking like this, and coming up with ideas, and 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 finding a different way to express something that I've thought about, um, I'm very much in the present. And so, you know, and of course, I'm trained at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, so I have the voice, you know, and I know how to move around a stage or on a screen. So, um, but yeah, I I uh, I love. Um, sh- I get very excited about sharing ideas. I get very excited about because I, I kind of. You know, I I know I've figured out stuff, and if I can help people with what I figured out, which if it was there was one word to sum it up, it would be simplify, then mm-hmm. um, then that's what I can that I can do, and and that's why you know I, I get out on in front of an audience, be it in a play or a, or a lecture or a workshop, and and um, and try to share that that core idea.
0: And here's my theory about you, I have a theory. I don't know if it's right, but I have a theory about you. Oh, really? You secretly want to be a time traveler.
1: Oh, well, I am a time traveler. I write yes. a <laughs> story. Yeah, oh.
0: but but the, re- the reason I, I say it like that is mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about history, I just watched how you lit up. I mean, I can just see it. And I just saw how you like, there's there's, there's still, for, like we, when you talk about like having, boy, always history and adventure and stuff like that, that boy is still present in you and not only that not only that right if tomorrow someone came up to you and said hey listen would you like to really go back to this era you imagined we would never see you again <laughs> <laughs> gone. oh no i'd be absolutely,
1: gone. I'd be absolutely <laughs> gone but i but yeah no you're absolutely right i mean but i i and i've written I wrote a trilogy for uh, young adults for Knopf called The Runestone Saga, which was all about that. But it's it's, um, about time travel, but in a very different way. There were no H.G. Wells machines. It was actually using runic magic to travel down a person's own bloodline into the life of an ancestor. And so I wrote a trilogy all about that. And that was very much me, uh, you know, transporting myself down i'm fascinated by uh, blood and genetic inheritance and all that stuff so so um so yeah yeah i mean i you know that's that's what i did when i read those books you know at seven eight nine ten you know reading those amazing uh, english and uh, and u.s and Canadian. i didn't read in canadian either. i was in london at the time but uh historical fictions um was because i would just be back there i could not yeah. you know could do, not um, get out do of you
0: remember the first one the one that actually really the one that hooked you
1: Um, you know, there was, I was, I was reading a lot at that age, you know, from the age of about eight on really, um, there was one book I remember very clearly, the first book that made me cry. Mm. Uh, And it's, it's something that still has an ability to make me cry, um, about sacrifice, really someone sacrificing themselves in some way for something greater than themselves that be it family be it country uh, in this case it was for a king it was um called hounds of the king in fact uh, by henry treese who was an old british historical fiction writer for young adults i've, I've got a copy of it i found it in a second hand store nice i'm sorry got it back um but it was uh, i remember the the end of the book this you know, I mean, people knows how know how 1066 came out. It was Harold Gobbins and you know the Norman invasion and all that. Yeah. So it's not really a spoiler. But when he, when uh, Harold was was dying on the hill and he and the boy who wanted to join his uh, his bodyguard, his huskarl, and had been uh, wounded earlier and and couldn't and and then he makes his way to the battlefield and he hears the huscarls sing their death chant because they're going to die with their king. That made me cry. And I thought, oh, oh, the power of it, you know. It's
0: funny. Just before I talked to you, I had I had a an interesting conversation. Like, uh, like, but the first time you fall in love, like, really, really, and this this ties together in a very very interesting way. What I realized about about sacrifice and for country and king and all that stuff, it means nothing unless you genuinely love those things. Because then, at that point, at that point, you are now able love blinds you at first, but at some point, like in any relationship, you see the bad in people in the people you love as well, right? And the temptation and and there's always a temptation to want to control or change or make them better. But if you really love someone or something, you're gonna give them the freedom to be themselves. And if you love them that much, right, that you're willing to go on, make, make sure that they can go on, that means you've accepted them for who they are and that's why it's such a powerful scene
1: so powerful and you and and you want and you know uh, you want to be accepted in the same way you know once you realize that that you're also this fragile human being with with faults uh, that can really piss people off um particularly you know love partners um once you realize that and you know you you forgive as you hope to be forgiven right i mean I, my my new my the newish partner I mean we've been together two and a half years now Cat, you know there, there, there were there are there things she does that make me go oh come on but I, I I look at her and I adore her for them because they are who she is as yeah. opposed to I didn't understand it all you know 20 years ago I'd see something and I'd think oh that's a fault that's gonna break us apart or oh I don't like that about her I just go that's part of who she is and yeah. um, and I just hope that that and I think it's also true that she feels the same way about me. You know, yeah. sometimes I'm not the tidiest person in the world. In the world, and <laughs> that's fair. I mean, look at my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, fair. I mean, that's not toilet paper there. No, that's uh, that's paper towel. Um, but but this is my office. I mean, I'm ramshackle. And also, as a writer, you know, we we are um, there's a, there's an element of the monster about the writer. You know, they're part human, part some other beast. And once you're, and, and, and very selfish a lot of the time, because it's all about the words, you're know, trying to get out and tell this story. So, you know, I, I, I but, but she's very tolerant of that. So, uh, at least so far. So that's good.
0: Oh, two and a half years. I mean, at that point, I mean, she might not know every little nook and cranny about you, but she knows a bit. She knows enough about you. It's like, okay. And he we're needs- both
1: we're both older as well. We've both been through stuff, you know, uh, lots of relationships. We've both got kids with other people and stuff, you know. So, so, um, so you know, we're 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 really happy to have reached this sort of space place that it's like, ah, oh, don't have
0: to worry about all that stuff. Yeah, well, like i said, for me, I I realize like what love ultimately is about is acceptance. And it's really? not, it's not, it's not because again, we're, none of us are perfect. I, I I, truly think that the only people in this life that have a right to judge you are your kids ah. because ah. you brought them in, right? Mm. So you brought them in. So they, they, I think they're the only people in the world that uh, if they if anyone can judge you, it's them.
1: Sure. And, sure. Yeah. With, with the, with the proviso that you, you've hopefully armed them with the critical skills that you perhaps lacked at their age to be yeah between someone who is just behaving badly and someone who has reasons for some of the things they do you know so hopefully you've instilled in them acceptance
0: as well yeah yeah yeah. acceptance and mercy because i i mean (laughs) your turn is coming right so but i mean Ah. it's it it it's one of those it's that but i i say it like that because I think I think, like I said, we have a tendency to look at people different than ourselves and we, ha- and we, we are immediately critical. It's only when we get older slash wiser with a question mark that we realize that may- maybe there's a reason for this. Maybe yeah. there's something I don't understand and there's- maybe I shouldn't judge at all.
1: Well, I think, yes, but, uh, you know, let he who is without sin
0: cast the first stone. Right? Exactly. I've learned I've learned that I've learned that okay so you actually so you, you got into acting first of everything you've done
1: yeah yeah as uh, in in the creative worlds yes yes I, I became an actor uh, fairly late on considering my family background I had no interest in it and then I got cast in the lead in the school play and then the plans to go to university and read history went out the window and I went to drama school instead and so yeah I had a I had a you know, I, I hate to speak of it in the past tense because I'm still an actor, though I'm not doing that much these days. Um, uh, but I will again, I'm sure, because um, I love it. But it's, uh, um, yeah, I, I did very well in my 20s and 30s and even into my 40s. I did very well. I starred in lots of stuff, a lot of TV stuff, a lot of theatre stuff. It was great. But uh, yeah, but, but I always think, you know, that, that when I finally started writing and thought wow this is actually what I really want to do is be a writer why didn't I start before I don't actually cling to that thought very long at all because I spent years telling other people's stories both the the the, the good the bad and the really bad often but so you know I, I and you learn as much from that as you do from from playing the really good stuff which I also got to do so uh, yeah it was uh, it was it was great training to be a storyteller
0: Oh, I bet. But uh, so I ha- again, I, I have theories. I don't necessarily have facts, but I have theories. I think the biggest I had, I've interviewed actors and stuff on the show, and I realized that they're really good from great performances. Is when you can actually take a character that has already been written and figured out your part in the character, the part that you can connect to, because that's that's the those are the best performances. Like, uh, um, folks, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil this a little bit. You have to watch him do Hamlet you legitimately have to watch him (laughs) do hamlet i don't necessarily want you don't need to you don't need to necessarily i don't i'm not expecting you to perform anything today but i will say this his take on to be and to not to be is utterly his it's great it's great i'm
1: i you know I, i i played it many years ago and i'm far too old to play it now but i do have a sense of him still for sure i mean he's one of the one of the um you know one of Five roles that I feel I I, I did inhabit but but he, I mean he's a good example of what you just said it's you know finding where Hamlet sat within me you yeah know, it, and I you know when I started out as an actor I thought it was all about disguise and becoming someone else but then fairly soon on five six years into the game I realized that that's not what it's about at all that when you walk out on the stage they're not looking at this other person they're looking at you you are the person on the stage you are the person in front of that camera so where does Hamlet, for example, live in you. What is it that you can relate to? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true of any role, really. Be it, be it, you know, the monsters or saints or whoever, or just ordinary people. Where does that person's journey and their different set of circumstances to yours? I mean, that's where you do your background research and everything you know where where they're from obviously and how they speak how they you know and then then you can play with the physicalities of them of course but but yeah you you look at a you look at a person and you think i can relate to that you look at hamlet and think i mean you know when i when i played hamlet and uh, and the guy walked on as the ghost of my father he had he had my father's eyes my father's blue eyes my father had died you know only th- a few years before so you know it was um it it was uh, it was very Easy is not the right word, but it was, it was accessible to find where he sat in me. And, and it's true of every part, actually. And that's and the not
0: well written as No, no, no. But it, I, I don't... An actor, and I say this, I've worked on film sets with, with... I've done behind the crew stuff. with An actor can take a bad script and make it good. To a point, at least, right? So, so many times, so many
1: times you <laughs> think I've saved this writer's butt. Yes, by giving this something, you know, because it's, it's like you look and you go, it's absolutely nothing here to play. I, it's funny because in in I, I said that once to someone about oh, they asked her, you know about my my writing and novels and 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 screen right? what what's one what of the things you do and I said well one of the things I do I, I create characters and I give them something to play, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they 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 have something to go after. There's something they really want and need, which is you know one of the things that drives all fiction. What do they want? What do they need? Um, not necessarily the same thing, but yeah. So it's um it's great. It's great. I I, uh, I I I love both things. They feed each other very much. The acting and the writing. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, I, what I was going to say is acting taught you how to find that part and also probably taught you how to be vulnerable. So uh, I, yeah. so because you'd have to like, it's one thing to know where he'd be accessible. That's where the part where it's not so easy, right, is OK. This is a really vulnerable place for me. Like when you talked about the ghost, I saw you choked up even just a little bit, yeah. because it came from a very personal place. Totally, totally right? Totally.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's yeah. I mean that that sort of thing is accessible because once you've had that sort of emotion around something, I think it yeah. uh, it's not hard to, to suddenly pull it back. You know?
0: Yeah, but you were, but from, I I can just tell you let yourself be vulnerable on this date at least enough that people could see both the pain but also the character it was made really even easier to connect again art I think any form of art is about learning to express yourself your story that you are telling right now about your life regardless of what trappings you have right um and being open and confident and vulnerable enough to express that i my again i i don't know i didn't i didn't know you in your 20s but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm willing to bet that in your 20s at least part of the reason you didn't want to go in acting is you wanted to figure out who you were and then ironically going on to the stage you found who you were Uh, right
1: that's interesting i mean i've always wanted to figure out who i am so uh but and you know I'm, i'm uh and hamlet taught me an awful lot about that but also, I'm very interested in in what thought is anyway. I'm not sure of thinking about Hamlet says, for there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And I, so. I and I based my second play on that one. Um, but it's uh, but I think thinking about something and and you can you can make yourself feel you know. And I'll think about it. And I feel great. I think about it. I feel terrible. You know, and so thought itself can be almost misleading so so what is the self behind the thought and hamlet actually taught me a lot about that yeah at least opened opened up a big door for me which i've been wandering down that corridor for a while now
0: so you're fascinated you're fascinated with consciousness where does this all come yeah. from where does this all come from yeah
1: who's the self i'm very interested in it. yeah
0: yeah and that's and that's been like that's some of the rune like the rune trilogy deals with that as well like who is the self
1: completely completely, yeah. and, what, and what, uh, what influence has experience had upon
0: our sense of self, you know? Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think, well, it's interesting, right, because all of us see like, me and you are not that different, but we've experienced things different, like some of the same things, but some very different things. Yeah, well, we're both creators, so there's that similarity for a start. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I think I general like the general want. Not necessarily sp- specifics, but the general stuff. You want to be happy, you want to do what you love with people you love. I don't think anybody's that different, really, when it comes to that. Right, right, mostly. Right. mostly, mostly. It, right. The 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 specifics are different, but the generalities aren't that different. Yeah. Right? So, but it's fascinating is we can all have that specific diff- like those specific differences completely change how we view life right mm. completely yeah. and it's all it's a matter of perception but then it goes down a deep dark rabbit hole here well is my perception real
1: well reality what a concept as robin williams said you know
0: yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh, uh
1: it's uh it's so interesting uh yeah no i mean it, it's true it's true it's um it's uh, it i mean i think the, for me the the prime Um, uh, the the prime prime requisite is curiosity Mm -hmm. curious curiosity about how why you react in a certain way to a certain thing where where might that come from this reactive you curiosity about other people that's that's what um, fuels you both as an actor and a writer to try to find out you know what? What is? What's their motivation? You know, I mean, it's the old cliche, but it's true. Why? Why would they react in that way? You know, I've written about some pretty dark characters in my career, like, like you know, my most successful novel was Vlad, the Last Confession, about the real Dracula, Vlad the Impaler. I talked about you know writing it longhand. Um, that was a very dark road to go down, but fascinating to try to uncover his motivation. You know, beyond the monster, and uh, and in the end you talked about judgment before giving up the uh, giving up the need to judge him letting the reader judge him I told his story
0: yeah and that's and that's like because all, honestly like I think the more interesting thing about monsters is we all have monsters in us and sometimes and sometimes they're necessary like like because you like they're they there's times and you know this in this business sometimes you have to be a little ruthless sometimes you have to be you have to fight for yourself. That monster's not a bad thing there. Mm. Then again, but sometimes but sometimes I mean, and we know this, that that monster also can cause us can cause us um complications for lack of a better term, right? And
1: we don't all behave well all the time, let's face it.
0: Well, no, none of us do. That's that that that's I mean, we wouldn't be human beings if we were perfect. And yeah. but the parts of us ironically that, that monster within us some of our best parts come from it, right? Yeah. Right. So that's
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to you, you got to use the dark stuff as well, you know. And if if only to spend more time in the light, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Vlad the Impaler. So why Vlad? Like, why? What? What? What was your curiosity with him?
1: Uh oh. Um, well, it began, you know, like one of these uh, strange origin stories of writing. It began with my editor wanting me to write what he thought was a bestseller. So I stopped making people up, Humphreys, you know, French executioner, I mean, basically made up, Jack Absolute basically made up. And, and let's let's find a marquee name for you to write about, because you're definitely a good enough writer to be able to just take a marquee name and we can sell it on the marquee, right? So, um, so but we were rooting around for names, you know, and who hadn't been done to death. Uh, Alexander the Great, done. You know, William the Conqueror, done. Uh, Cleopatra, done. Henry V, done. You know, all these people. And and he was the one who suggested to me over a slightly drunken lunch in London, uh, no, actually, <laughs> more than slightly drunken. It's well into the second b- bottle of claret. He said, "Dracula," uh, and I went, oh, "Come on, it must have been done." And it hadn't been done as historical fiction at that point. It's been done a few times since, but. Um, and that fascinated me. And I quite rapidly found out why, because it was a very, very dark tale. And you know, every everything you read was kind of written by the people who needed him to look really bad. I mean, he, was, he, was, he was a victim of a huge propaganda campaign. Not that he wasn't, you know, up to stuff, but in, sure. in the in the um, the times he lived, he was kind of just one of the guys doing terrible things for God, you know, for to kill the infidel. Uh, and to kill the enemies of God as he perceived him. So, so you know, he was a, a crusader and a warrior and a, a patriot and, uh, and a fervently religious and all that stuff. But he chose to express that in ways that played into his psychology. And then I found out more about his psychology. You know the the child that was ripped away from his parents at nine years old and sent as a hostage to the turk where he was pampered and raised and taught in the best school in the world and and then his father betrayed the turk and he was thrown into the worst prison in turkey for two years i mean it's you know by by 17 that's got to screw you up a bit right so i took those stories i took every every sort of tale of vlad and span it in a different way so it was it was a fascinating right? I mean. People love that book still. I had, It's funny, I, I, when words collide, I had this one agent say to me, she said, you're the Vlad man. I went, yeah, I suppose I am the Vlad man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I'd be very curious to know which one of them said that uh, actually off the uh, air.
1: But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, from the Rights Factory. What was her name? Jessica? No, I don't know. Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually, a, a, I'm, she might be coming on the show too, before I wrap up the Twitch Ooh. era. So oh, good, good, she, good. She, she was fun. She was a lot of fun to meet. Um, oh, yeah. oh, I liked her a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, they're all great. It was a great event, wasn't it? I mean,
0: the whole yeah. thing. Was great. It was, for me, it was great because I seen, like, I've chosen to take this very seriously and try to make this a living.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: while I'm not quite where I want to be yet, I've come a long way. And you mean the st- interviewer?
1: the show and stuff
0: well not just the interviewing i mean i've written six books i have comics i i've I've published comics i've been published as an illustrator uh i've done video shows for people like i've been you're in the creative
1: world you're making a living in the creative world it's not an easy thing to do
0: no um but it's but most most months and i break i mean I break. I I've crossed living wage line a couple times. I'm not quite there all the way, but it's yeah. like
1: well, it's hard. It's hard these days, particularly. Uh, you know, the publishers aren't paying like they used to. So uh, you know, even though you know my new book someday I'll find you is selling really well, and I should make some more money out of it. But it's only Canada at the moment. You know, my agent's been trying to sell it in the UK, but I'm I'm just about I'm i fed up. You know, all these publishers are going well. You know, it's not. They don't even read the book. It's me, old white dude. Uh, not, not bitter, by the way, but just that's, <laughs> that's the state of the world uh, right now. And I, I I get some of it. But also, you know, they, my last books were published so appallingly in the UK that I didn't have good sales. And therefore, they money men look at that and go, who is this guy? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, he didn't sell well. So why would we buy him? And so nothing to do with the book at all, which
0: people are loving. So, um, so anyway, I'm going to publish it myself. Well, yeah, um, no, because... Well, I think we all have to like, so for me, I did an Alice in Wonderland Greek mythology mashup. Oh, nice. I made Alice Pandora because I realized Alice and Pandora are essentially the same story.
1: Interesting.
0: Right. So I made Wonderland a mashup between what you recognize from Wonderland by matched up with Greek mythology. One of my, so I did that one myself, right? That's the one that got nominated for an award not Mm -hmm. the ones I've done for publishers. Mm -hmm. And again, it made me realize like, at this particular point, I think if you're a creative, what you, the real challenge today is going, okay, who is likely to be the audience for this book and who best can reach them? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the answer is you. That's funny. You see, I don't
1: think about the audience at all.
0: Yeah. (laughs) no, Not well, that's not quite
1: true. That's disingenuous. But I do, I, I really, when I'm writing a book, I just have to tell the story. I have to find out what the story is. Afterwards, you know, second draft, sometimes I'll start to think more perhaps about an audience. But really, whatever this story is, I must strive to tell it
0: as well as possible. And then hopefully it'll find an audience. Slight, slight clarification, slight clarification. In the process of creating, I'm completely with you. I'm talking like when you've made the story, right? When you've made the story, because today I don't, there's not a straight answer anymore, right?
1: Gosh, Gosh, no, 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 no.
0: right. Traditional publishing has decentralized a little bit. There's Kickstarter, which is a huge, is a a huge market. I don't think people, again, from an author standpoint, it's still relatively untapped um right there's there's but there's also going just a traditional more indie deal the middle sized publishers because they do some really cool stuff too but there's not necessarily a right answer anymore it's about again when the book is done when the story is told right what book where do you i think this book fits like once you i'm talking once the story is created right not not in the. Oh, absolutely. You've got to put on a different hat. You know, if you want to sell coffee, yeah, yeah. you've got to put on the marketing hat and, and do that. And I'm about to yeah. yeah. am yeah.
1: to that world for sure. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The, again, it comes back to what I was saying before about process each stage of the process has a different imperative right and so the the creative side of the process is you don't think about an audience really you're thinking about yeah. communicating with the single person who's going to read this book the reader you know it's a, it's a it's a thing that happens a book is a thing that happens created by two people well you know there are others but two people essentially the writer and the reader right and they make sure. it between them and so yeah. that reader I don't personify them I just think I'm going to tell you this story I wonder if you'll like it
0: yeah
1: and and see what happens then
0: and and that's the best and honestly in the creative process i think that's purely the best way to do it because otherwise how can you be honest well you you know i think people want truth in the end yeah
1: truth whatever it is um and uh, that's that's the way we go
0: yeah yeah well i honestly gotta say Um, We're near the end of the end of the hour here, good sir. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I I need to go and write the rest of my book. No, you do, you do, you do. But before we wrap wrap up, I did want to say, so folks, this has been a long time coming, this interview. I've wanted to have him on the show even before the pandemic. So I'm glad I finally actually happened. And
1: and when you told me I dropped the ball somehow, I was was mortified. It it wasn't, it wasn't. But again, looking back. it's great that we were able to do it now, Joshua. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah, I mean, great. I mean, I, I assume you'll uh, you'll put up all the stuff about how to track me down and get hold of me and all that stuff. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, well, uh, but I want, but uh, what I want you to do before we wrap up, though, is you should plug your current book. I mean, ah. you, prob- you probably should, right? I should. I should.
1: Right. I'm just gonna disappear through this door for one second because there's no just- worries.
0: No worries. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna awkwardly dance.
1: You can look, okay, you do that, and people can look at the toilet
0: paper. That's right, right, that's right, so, so yes, Chris Humphreys is a a one-of-a-kind. Like I said, he is an actor, he is a writer, he is an amazing human being. I I built you, I built you up.
1: Someday I'll find you, the new one, World War II epic love romance spy saga about a Canadian fighter pilot and a Norwegian spy uh, they meet in London during the Blitz, and they part, they fall in love, but they have to part, and they're going off to die probably, but someday they'll hope to find each other again. It's partly based on my own parents, because my dad was a fighter pilot, and my mum was a spy.
0: Really? Same same, same army, I'm assuming, right?
1: Uh, my, my mother was a Norwegian spy in for SOE, and worked in the resistance in Norway during the German occupation. My father fought the Germans in the Battle of Britain and then in North Africa and was shot down. So it's not, this book is not their story. It's a fiction, it's a love story. Oh no, no, abs- no, no ab- absolutely. But, ab- but there's an ethos yeah. to it. I mean, it was an amazing write on all sorts of level. Talk about the personal, you know. So to, I got to know my parents again. And I, asked, I got to almost ask them the questions I didn't while they were alive. So it's been fantastic. And it's it's been doing well, which is lovely. I mean, people seem to be reacting and relating to it. So
0: I mean, honestly, it sounds fantastic. Like it's funny, legit, it's like, an adventure,
1: it's, a, it's an adventure as well, I
0: write well, well, but not only that, like, that. Like honestly, you should mention that little part at the beginning, because that's really, like, the fact that it is a personal story to you, in a Absolutely. good, in a, in a great way. I, I um and maybe, again, yes, it's a cool adventure story, uh, but it's also, in an odd way, it's about you reconnecting to your family.
1: It's totally, it's totally, yeah, it's a very personal book, and I needed to wait you know till my 22nd book to write it, basically i think i was warming up <laughs> no but
0: dude i a, i i kind of want to buy it now damn I, I i, I got to go hunt it down but if it's people totally want it everywhere it's still everywhere it's still selling well so
1: pop into your pop in your local bookstores and get it now
0: yes and one last thing how can people find you
1: um com is my website uh c.c.humphreys on instagram um, okay. You know, uh, Facebook, obviously, Twitter. Uh, again, Humphrey CC, but oh, it's not Twitter X. Um, but Instagram, I, uh,
0: I, I, Twitter hurts my brain right Yeah, now. I know.
1: I'm kind of slipping away from it. Uh, Instagram and my website are the best ways, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, another conversation for another day. I I am only on Twitter for one reason now, just one. It's still the best place from a journalistic point of view, and I interview people, All but. Right. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts to pray. I don't know what to expect there anymore. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris Humphreys. Check out. You should put the book up one more time. Oh, the book. Yeah, throw it up. That oh. is his latest. That is his latest release. You should check it out right now. And folks, I'm going to be back a little bit later today. Episode nine 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 is actually tonight, and then Whoa. Wednesday. I know you're nine ninety eight. Nine ninety nine, yeah. So nine ninety nine is my very first guest I've ever had on this show. He's actually coming back, and then Uh, one, and then one thousand is legendary comic creator Keith Giffen.
1: Fantastic,
0: yeah. How
1: cool! How cool! Uh, Thank you, bravo, congratulations to you for doing all that. Thank you for the interview. It's been a fascinating talk, and I uh, please people write to me on Instagram or or my website and let me know what you think
0: that's how we're going to wrap up the show ladies and gentlemen stay inspired keep shining in the dark and i'll see you guys next time oh sorry guys the wrong button there just joshing is turning 1000 and what is next in store for the show the truth is it's already happening I've been recording shows since the start of the year in preparation for me going on the road. You can watch and listen to them now. They are available on my Patreon channel for the price of $5 US. Not only will you get to see these shows months in advance, but you can also help me when I take this show on the road. Click on the Patreon link for more details. Josh. Josh.